السلام عليك يا أبا عبد الله السلام عليك يا ابن رسول الله السلام عليك يا خيرة الله وابن خيرته السلام عليك يا ابن أمير المؤمنين وابن سيد المؤمنين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome to episode number 17 of Reflections on Ziyarat Ashura brought to you by Mizan Institute. Wal'anallahu ummatan asrajat wa aljamat wa tanaqabat liqitalik. May Allah curse the people who saddled up, gave reins to their horses, and masked their faces in preparation for fighting against you. Without a doubt, there are a lot of people that have in one way or another have something to do with the massacre of Ashura taking place. There are a lot of people who did things behind the scenes. There are a lot of people who, if it wasn't for them, Ashura would have never taken place. But there's a group of people at the end of the day who actually drew their swords and killed Imam Hussein and his companions and his family. If there are some people who have blood on their hands, metaphorically speaking, the likes of Ubaidullah bin Ziyad, the likes of Yazid, and so on, there are some who will have blood on their hands, literally speaking. They shot arrows, they threw stones and spears, they drew their swords and fought against Imam Hussein on the battlefield, actually rode off from wherever they were, towards Karbala and were on the plains of Karbala on the day of Ashura on the side of the enemy fighting against Imam Hussein salam. These are the people it seems that this part of the ziyarah is referring to. The ones who actually saddled up, actually masked up. They, they would wear, they're going to cover their faces because it's a desert. They don't want, as they're riding in the desert, they don't want the sand and dust to go in their faces, in their nose and mouth. And so they are referred to as the Mubashirin fi Qatl al Hussein, the ones who were directly involved in the killing of Imam Hussein alayhi salatu wasalam. Now, who are these people? These people will be none other than the Kufans who rode out from Kufa to fight against Imam Hussein. Now, there's a lot to say about the Kufans and the city of Kufa and all the different eras that the Kufa has in its history how it formed, the city formed, um, how um, there were times where the people of Kufa helped the Ahlul Bayt They have really good times and then they have the really bad times, very low times. For example, one of the best times of Kufa during Imam Ali's time is during the Battle of Jamal, for example. Even to an extent, one can say the Battle of Safin, of course, till, the, till they messed up and kind of deserted Imam Ali and the arbitration took place. But all in all, the Kufans, they they did a good job in some times, but then they did a horrible job in other times. So the, the Battle of Karbala, for example, being one of the lowest times, if not the lowest time of all for the Kufans. And then again, you have in ensuing Imams, you will have some of the best companions of the later Imams, the Muhaddithin and Qurra and those uh, individuals who are known for their transmission of the knowledge of Ahlul Bayt also being from Kufa and so on. So there are different eras that Kufa, the city of Kufa has put behind it, itself. And so 
the worst of them all, I would say, is the time of Imam Hussein alayhi salam when they betrayed the Imam. These people, the people of Kufa, um, are an interesting people to discuss. And of course, we don't have uh, too much time to discuss them right now. Lectures have been given, books have been written, articles have been composed in regards to the Kufans. What I want to do right now is just go over a few of the traits of the Kufans during Imam Hussein's time. Now these traits that I'm going to mention, of course, they're not going to be applicable to all times, as I said, and all eras of the people of Kufa, and to all individuals from that city. Some of the best companions, even during Imam Hussein's time, came from there, like Habib bin Mudahir, like Muslim bin Ausaja, and so on. And others who were imprisoned and never got the chance to fight alongside Imam Hussein, like Maytham al-Tammar, um, even Mukhtar, uh, I do know that he is a, a controversial figure, but at the end of the day, he was also imprisoned. He might have gone or probably would have gone to Karbala and fought alongside Imam Hussein as well, but he was imprisoned. Anyway, so the Kufans, they have some wonderful people too. So these traits that I'm about to mention are not traits that will apply to every single individual from that city, but lots of the, lots of the people did uh, suffer from these negative traits. One of them being that they were Ahlul Dunya. They had an attachment to dunya in one way or another and so that is one of the ways Ubaidullah was able to turn the tables against Muslim Ibn Aqil is that he kind of bought off some of these individuals straight up and one can say that when Imam Hussein says the famous line of Anasu Abidu dunya wa dinu laiqun ala al sinatihim yahutunahuma darrat ma'aishuhum fa'idha muhisu bil bala'i qallad dayanun this famous line of his is probably about the Kufans first and foremost, that deen for some people um, who are slaves of the dunya, deen for them is just something that they have in their mouth, that they chew on, that they um, will keep there until they need it, as long as they need it. But then when the time comes, when the going gets tough, when it's time for refining the people and um, sifting through the people to find who the real ones are, then the religious ones all of a sudden become low in number. Yes, so one can say that this is in regards to the Kufans. Of course, it's not limited to them. Others are like this too, but it definitely applies to the Kufans of that time, uh, a majority of them probably. Another uh, trait that they have is that uh, it is said that they were very emotional people in the sense that their emotions would get the best of them. They get hyped up just like a balloon that gets uh, filled with air, but then all of a sudden, all it takes is a needle to pierce that balloon and all the air goes out and there's nothing going on anymore. So for example, you'll find that um, in different parts of history, the Kufans, they get worked up, they get hyped up, they're ready to go. But then with the slightest change in circumstances, they're nowhere to be found. They don't show up anymore. For example, the bay'ah and allegiance that was given to Muslim Naqi, like when you read history, you're like, man, it's over. Like Abaydullah bin Ziyad and then Yazid, they're going to be overthrown. Like when you're reading history, you don't think that things are going to take a sharp turn. But then all of a sudden it happens. So like when Muslim comes, everyone receives him. But then all of a sudden no one's there to support him. Um, just because of a few things that Ubaidullah bin Ziyad did when he entered uh, Kufa. The uh, the Kufans surrounded the palace of Ubaidullah. They were going to attack because they felt that Hani bin Urwa, the tribe of Hani, surrounds the palace of Ubaidullah and wants to storm the palace and destroy everything and everybody. But then with the slightest 
reassurance that there's nothing wrong, they all leave all of a sudden. Like, excuse me, like you guys should have stayed around and stuck around to make sure Hani bin Urwa, the one who had taken care of Muslim, is not actually hurt. This noble man, Hani being one of the noblemen of his tribe, his tribe comes and surrounds the palace, but then they're nowhere to be found all of a sudden. So they get worked up. They're like, wait, wait a minute. What happened to uh, Hani? And then they're given reassurance that nothing's wrong with Hani. And then they're all gone. They could have been a game changer in all of this. And this is what I mean when I say, when you read history, you really think like Imam Hussein is going to win this thing. Muslim Aqil is going to win this thing. Because you don't think that things are going to like die out so easily and, and all of a sudden. Um, you'll find that uh, the Kufans, they cry. They cry when uh, Imam Sajjad or Lady Zainab or anyone else gives a sermon in Kufa after they've been taken captive. They start weeping and crying, oh, excuse me, you're the same ones who betrayed Imam Hussein. You're the same ones who didn't show up, sent him letters, but you didn't show up. And this led to, the, to them later on becoming the Tawabin, for example, the ones who rose and fought against Banu Umayyah. Like, you're doing things, but you're not doing them at the right time. Why? Because you're being swayed so easily. It's because of these negative traits that you will have these different sayings in regards to the Kufans. For example, we have Imam Ali complaining to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about the Kufans. He says, Oh Allah, no matter how much I wanted the best for these people, they answered me with deception. Whenever I relied on them, they uh, betrayed me. Or for example, when uh, Muslim Naqid, he's being uh, martyred in his last moments, he says, Oh Allah, be the judge between us and those who deceived us and denied us. So this shows that, okay, Muslim also sees them as such. These are people who are, decept are deceptive people. Or for example, Imam Hussein even, it's reported that in one of the things that he said, in those last moments, he says, "Allahumma inna ahl al-Iraq gharuni wa khadauni." They betrayed me, they f they deceived me, and so on and so forth. So these are the Kufans themselves. Um, and as I said, there's a lot to speak about in regards to the Kufans, and just their psychology, just the way they were, their history, and all of that. But that was all just in a nutshell of how our Imams have spoken about them. I I would say that really. Um, it all began, all the problems began when Imam Ali needed these people to help him fight against Muawiyah the second time around. After the Battle of Jamal, we have the Battle of Safin. After the Battle of Safin and the arbitration and some time passing, Imam Ali wants to go back to fight Muawiyah. And so he goes with the Kufans towards Muawiyah, but he has to go on a little detour to fight the Khawarij in Nahrawan first. After the Battle of Nahrawan, his army of Kufans, he, they just, they're just not interested anymore. And he's really pr pushing and urging them to help me finish off Muawiyah. Like we can't let this person remain. And they just don't, they're just not interested. And so really that's where I would say uh, they harmed Islam the most when they were supposed to show up in that uh, scenario and they didn't. But anyway, after that, you know, all the way till Imam Hassan and Imam Hussein, I would say like they just kept going lower and lower. But yes, there are times that also um, things uh, are better in ensuing Imams as well. As I said, um, I don't want to get into many details. There are a lot of details in regards to the city of Kufa and the Kufans themselves. All right, let's talk about now a little bit about uh, some of the commanders 
of these of these people who that they went and actually drew the swords on Ashura on the plains of Karbala and were directly involved in spilling the blood of Imam Hussein. Who are their commanders? What do their commanders now look like? I'm just going to mention a few names, go over a little bit um, of some details in regards to each of these commanders that history tells us. So there's one person by the name of, by the name of Hussein bin Numair. Hussein with a sad. So we have Hussein with a scene. And then we also have Hussein with a sad. And some have said this is Hussein bin Tamim, not bin Numair. But whoever he is, this person, they say he was um, he was the head and chief of the police of Ubaidullah bin Ziyad. Now this individual is one of the worst. Some of the things that they've mentioned in regards to him is that they say that he grew up in the city of Hams. Um, which is one of the cities of uh, uh, Sham and present day you can say Damascus and so of course the people there they usually have issues with Amir al-Mu'mineen and the Ahl al-Bayt so if that's where he's grown up I mean you can only guess what kind of person he's going to be and how harsh he's going to be against the Ahl al-Bayt some say he's the one who killed Habib bin Mudahir um, some believed him to be the first to shoot arrows towards Imam Hussein's camp because he was the one in charge of the archers of the army. Other reports say that Ubaidullah bin Zi, uh, excuse me, Umar ibn Sa'ad was the first one to um, shoot the first arrow towards the camp of Imam Hussein. Some say that he was the one who took the heads of the Ahl al-Bayt and went from there to Sham, um, maybe after Kufa probably. They also say he's the one who uh, catapulted the uh, the Kaaba when he was trying to get uh, Abdullah bin Zubair out, and so these are the these are the people like you feel like there's no Islam when it comes to these people. So that's uh, Hussein bin Numair. Another person that we have Shabath bin Rabi'i. He is one of the Khawarij, one of the very staunch enemies of Amir al-Mu'minin and the Ahl bayt And so here it says that he was the commander of a, a thousand soldiers on the day of Ashura. He's also one of those who's written a letter to Imam Hussein. So that's interesting. These ones who wrote letters, not only were they fighting against Imam Hussein, they were commanders against Imam Hussein salam. Then you have Hajjar bin Abjar al-Ajli. This Hajjar bin Abjar is also one of the commanders of the army of Ibn Ziyad. And it says that he also had a thousand soldiers under him. And he's also... Uh, one of those who had written a letter to Imam Hussein salam or had signed these letters when they sent them to Imam Hussein salam. Now, mind you, this uh, usually these ones, these villains of Karbala, they were usually they're the ones who were killed by Mukhtar later. We have another individual by the name of Yazid bin Harif. It says that he was the commander of two thousand soldiers of the army of Ibn Ziyad. He's an individual that the Imam on the day of Ashura calls out by name. He calls him out. And they say that he was one of the spies of uh, Ubaidullah bin Ziyad, who alongside Umar ibn Sa'ad and others in Kufa, he was working for the Banu Umayyah and was working against uh, the Shia there. Uh, people like Sulaiman bin Surad and Mukhtar and others. So this is Yazid bin Harif. Another name we have is Amr bin Hurayf. It says that Amr, he was also one of the commanders of the army. He was in love with Banu Umayyah. 
and he was the one who would who would replace uh, Ubaidullah bin Ziyad and sit in his place when Ubaidullah would leave Kufa. And so you must be very bad to be the one who succeeds him or replaces him when he's out. Amr bin Hajjaj, another name we have. He tells the people of Kufa, Ya Ahl al-Kufa, ilzamu ta'atakum wa jama'atakum. Stay with the masses. What are you doing like standing up against uh, Yazid or against Ubaidullah? And don't worry about and have no doubt. Let no doubt uh, seep into you when it comes to killing the one who has left the religion and has gone against your Imam. Their Imam, of course, being Yazid. And he's referring to Imam Hussein. So he says, don't have, don't get cold feet. Don't second guess yourselves. Fight Imam Hussein and kill Imam Hussein. There's nothing wrong with it. This is a person who's left the religion. Na'udhu billah, na'udhu billah. This same Amr bin Hajjaj, may Allah's curse be upon him. There's another thing that has been narrated that he said um, on the day of Ashura. He calls out to Imam Hussein salam. He says, Oh Hussein, this is the water of the Euphrates. You see this water of the Euphrates that the dogs and the donkeys and the pigs, they drink from? By Allah, you will, we will not let you drink at all from it until you drink from the molten fire and drinks of the hellfire. May Allah's curse be upon him for saying such a thing and na'udhu billah from such, uh, from, such a, from such a statement. So these are the types of people that the Kufans are under. So you can tell that, okay, if these are their commanders, then the Kufans themselves, what are they going to be like? So, I mean, they're from the Kufans. They're fr they are of the people of Kufa themselves. Another person is uh, Azra bin Qais al-Ahmasi or Azra bin Qais al-Ahmasi. He is the commander of the, the horse, those are who are on horseback in the army. And so when Ibn Ziyad wants to send a message through him to Imam Hussein, he says, no, 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 excuse me for that because I can't do that. I was one of the ones who wrote a letter to Imam Hussein to come. Now if I go with him, go to him with a message that goes against the letter that I wrote, it's just going to make me look bad. I just can't do it. So this is also another person. So as you can see, commanders of this army, they're the ones who have invited the Imam to come. And finally, of course, we have Qais and Muhammad. Qais and Muhammad, uh, they're two brothers. They are the sons of Ash'af bin Qais, a very, very, very controversial individual. And although he was on the side of Imam Ali, we find traces of him being problematic, his malice. We find them all over. We find his fingerprints everywhere in the history of Imam Ali salam, to the extent that some scholars believe that he also had something to do with the martyrdom and assassination of Imam Ali salam. We find his fingerprints everywhere. Now, all I can say is this. This Ash'ath bin Qais, who's the father of Qais and Muhammad, this Ash'ath bin Qais, his daughter, is the one who poisoned Imam al-Hasan salam. So Qais and Muhammad are sons of this man and brothers of the one who poisoned Imam al-Hasan Now what did they do? Well, these two brothers, they're also of the commanders of the army of Ibn Ziyad. It says that Muhammad bin Ash'ath, he had a thousand soldiers under him. It says that he's also the one who fought against Muslim ibn Aqil and eventually arrested him and took him to Ibn Ziyad. 
his brother Qais is one of the ones who sent a letter to Imam Hussein that Imam Hussein brings this up on the day of Ashura. He brings up Qais. He's like, he mentions him by name. He says, you sent me letters. And so look at this. Qais, it says that Qais bin Ash'af, he says, yeah, come and give Yazid bay'ah. He says this to Imam Hussein salam. And so the, the Imam responds to him. He says, you're the brother of the one who martyred Muslim Aqil in Kufa. And now you want to be part of my martyrdom as well. You want to have, you want to ha play a part and have a role in killing me as well. So, brothers and sisters, these are the Kufans. These are their commanders who are also of the people of the people of Kufa. These individuals are so low that they don't let Imam Hussein speak on Ashura. They keep disrupting him. Imam Hussein says, "You filled your bellies with haram." These are the ones who mocked Imam Hussein when he was at the body of his beloved son Ali al Akbar, and they started uh, cheering and and really rejoicing over the death of Ali, and that moment that really broke was breaking the back of Imam Hussein These are these these are the individuals. These are the ones who trampled the body of Imam Hussein. These are the people who attacked the tents of Imam Hussein after they were not real men. They were not free men to at least live by some standard in their life. No, there wasn't. For some people, the bar is high. For some people, the bar is low. For some people, there is no bar at all. The Kufans there, they had. There was no bar for them. There was no standard that they lived by. Now, a final um, point to mention very quickly. Although once again, this is also something that you know lectures need to be delivered on, is if these are the Kufans, then why did Imam Hussein trust them? I'm just going to say something very quickly in a nutshell, um, and I'll leave details of this discussion for another time. Imam Hussein didn't just trust the Kufans. As I said before, the Kufans, they're not, they haven't always been bad people. They have showed up when it was needed. But yes, they have also messed up at times. But nothing like this, I would say. Nothing like this, where according to some accounts, even thousands of letters, some say it was hundreds, some say it was thousands. Letters are written and then they betray the Imam in this way. So the Imam, he knows, brothers and sisters, I want us to pay attention to this point. The Imam knows he's going to be killed eventually. He doesn't want this to happen in Mecca though. Because he knows it's either death or bay'ah. And he's not going to give bay'ah. So that just leaves one option, which is death. But he doesn't want to die in Mecca. All of a sudden, all these letters are coming from Kufa. And people are saying they're ready. Okay, what does a normal person do? The no a normal person uses their mind and says, okay, like these are people that are inviting me, but I know that they are problematic sometimes. So he sends Muslim Naqil. The, uh, the answer that I'm giving right now, brothers and sisters, is one that you will usually hear. This is the answer that you will usually hear, and it's not a bad answer in my opinion. But look, at the end of the day, the Imams, they're not going to always use their divine, uh, immaculate knowledge. They're going to go with the flow of things and, and look at the circumstances and make decisions based on the circumstances. The circumstances, there's they're very clearly pointing to the fact that, okay, Imam Hussein, you're going to die. Choose where you're going to die. He says, I don't want to die in Mecca. He has sayings that he says, I would not like to die here. I, want, I, I, I prefer to die elsewhere. And so he sees that the, the Kufans are actually making it clear that they're ready to take him in. So he says, okay, let's move in that direction. But he doesn't just move in that direction. He sends Muslim Naqil to gather bay'ah, to see what's going on, to, to weigh things out and let him know. And so Muslim goes and he gets all the bay'ah from the people and he lets Imam Hussein know that, yeah, people are ready for you to come and hurry and come. Uh, the, the city is ready for you. Even when Imam Hussein 
finds out as he gets closer to Karbala, to, to Karbala and closer to Kufa, finds out that Muslim has been killed, I would say that the Imam understands this idea that, okay, if I can still make it to Kufa, I can cause a major stir and I can gain followers. I'm this close to Kufa, even if Ubaidullah bin Ziyad is there. And this is why Ubaidullah sends Hur bin Yazid to intercept Imam Hussein. If Imam Hussein had made it to Kufa, despite all of what had happened to Muslim, there is still a big chance that the tables will turn again in his favor. We have to understand this. This is something to think about. It's the problem is that Hur intercepts Imam Hussein. That, I would say, is the big problem. Intercepts him. He can't make his way into the city. And rather, all of these lowlifes, they come out of the city and ride towards Karbala. And before you know it, the army is there and they are ready to fight Imam Hussein on the day of Ashura. So it's not Imam Hussein just blindly um, putting his fate in the hands of the Kufans. No, he did everything he needed to. And even after reports came to him that the Kufans have betrayed him, he still made the decision to go because he felt that this is the only thing left for us to do anyway. It seems that the Imam, at this point at least, knows that, okay, things don't look too good and that Shahada is very close. So he makes the best decisions he can. I, I really, it makes one upset when you hear that, oh, why would he even uh, trust the Kufans to begin with? He did everything in his power to make the right decision um, in the eyes of the people so that people in the future, when they look back, they don't say, oh, Imam Hussein made, he, he kind of jumped the gun. He might have not made the best decision. No, no. He made the best decision. He did. He took all of the preventative measures that were possible for a person in his situation who cannot go back to Mecca, who cannot go back to Medina and has no choice but to move towards Kufa. And so this is why in the ziyara, these people who brought him that close to, to Kufa but didn't allow him to come into Kufa and they rode out and they drew their swords against, them, against him are mal'un. They were the ones who were directly involved in the split, spilling of the blood of Imam Hussein and the companions of Imam Hussein and the family of Imam Hussein. Allahu ummatan asrajat wa aljamat wa tanaqabat liqitalik. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. وعلى أولاد الحسن وعلى أصحاب الحسن